Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. What's going on, guys? Joe, Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Glad you're here. What's going on? Got a great episode today. We're going to be interviewing a guy named Esteban, who's got a company that helps investors generate online leads and find, hire, and train Latino VAs. I've been using virtual assistants since 2006, 2007. I love virtual assistants. I remember when I was first getting started in the business, I was afraid to hire virtual assistants outside of the US. So I intentionally hired somebody from Indiana, I believe it's what it was. And this VA did a lot of marketing for me. She was wonderful. She was great. She introduced me to some people. She even challenged some of the things that I did in my business and gave me some new ideas. But anyway, since then, I've been using virtual assistants for a long, long time. And I've been using a lot of virtual assistants from the Philippines. But here's something really cool here. I've been hearing a lot of people talk about Latino VAs and how productive, smart, efficient, effective they are. So we're going to be talking about that with Esteban. He's got a company called Hessel Media. I believe I pronounced that right. We'll find out in a minute or not. And uh, so it's going to be a good episode. And we're going to be talking about lead generating activities that you could be doing right now in your business to generate new leads online. All right. So if you're interested, stay tuned. Now, I am broadcasting this out on the YouTubes and the Facebooks. So if you're watching us on Facebook and YouTube, say hi, subscribe to the channel, please leave a comment down below. I really want to know what you're doing and what you're thinking. As we're talking about these things, what are some questions that I didn't ask that I should have asked? You know, what are some things that you find as a big, aha, that's a great point. Uh, I'd like to know your feedback and your thoughts, good and bad. Please share them in the Facebooks and YouTubes, all right? Um, also, if you um, haven't already, I want you to leave me a review. It used to be iTunes podcast was the biggest podcasting player, and it maybe still is, but Spotify is really close. You can't leave reviews in Spotify, I don't think. Maybe you can, I don't know. But I know you can in Apple Podcasts, so please leave me a review. Subscribe to this channel if you like it, okay? And then one more thing. I have this contract right here on a vacant land deal that I flipped with my one of my boys. This land contract, it's a contract for a vacant land deal that we flipped. I did with my son, who's now 18. He just had a 19-year-old, actually. He just had his 19th birthday the other day. This was a 5.0-acre property in Wilkes County, North Carolina. We made $11,224 on this deal. Would you like this contract? I'm going to give this to you for free if you go to simplelandcontract.com. Again, right there on the screen, or go if you're listening to this in the audio simplelandcontract.com. I'm going to give you this contract for free. And I'm actually going to give you a free little training in there as well to show you how to use that contract. With my two teenage sons, we netted over 150 something million dollars, about $151,000, not million. We netted about $151,000 on these deals that I did with my two teenage sons. And this is a strategy that is very easy I love doing it. We still do houses, but I really love vacant land. And in fact, you can see my new t-shirt here. I just got this shirt. I've never been into t-shirts. And so I should probably hire, you know, somebody to help me design more t-shirts, but it says dirt flipper. And uh, if you want one like this as well, <laughs> go to simplelandcontract.com. All right, check it out. 
Let's bring Esteban on. And how you doing, man? I'm good, man. Everyone that is listening, I I hope that you get the most out of this because I'm willing to bring it all and uh, show you how Hustle Media has is willing to change the game on the digital marketing side, on the VA side with remote Latinos. So I'm glad to be here. Thanks, man. Esteban, how do you pronounce your last name? Andrade. Uh, but okay. a lot of people actually, uh, uh, they cannot do it. And, and they That's just hard. say Andrade or Andrade. Uh, so I just leave it that way. I stopped trying to teach people to say Esteban <laughs> the proper way. And I just let them let them be right. <laughs> I, I, it's a cool name. I like how you roll the R after the D like that, and it's for some reason so hard to do. But it's a cool name. Um, where'd you come up with Hessel Media? Yeah. So at, at the moment when I was really trying to get my business off the ground, I was very very into Gary V and also Grant Cardone. And Gary V had this hustle mindset, hustle culture going on in social media where everything was the hustle. He was coming up with the shoes. And I was like, okay, I do. I, I definitely find some synergy with what he's trying to say. But at the same time, I know that a lot of people that just get burned by hustling so hard. So how can we make it different and still portray the same type of culture of the hustle culture, but make it smarter? Because I've always been like, uh, how do I automate? How do I systemize something? How do I make something smarter? Because I'm lazy. I'm a lazy entrepreneur. So I'm a lazy, but I work hard. And sure. ultimately, I chose hustle and I went to Google and I put definition of hustle. When you look down, there's a pronunciation. The way that ah. you pronounce hustle is H-E-S-E-L with inverted eats. Really? So that's exactly how I came up with like, okay, bet, perfect. No one has it. And I'm going to take that name and hustle media started as an apparel I was going to make it like more of a motivational type of word and everything. But then it ended up being like the name of my business. All right. That's cool. And where, where are you? Where do you live? I live right, right now in Miami. Uh, sweet, awesome Palm Beach. Sorry, not Palm Beach. I mean, like Palm and beaches. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I'm in here, like just uh, enjoying after living for years in the north. Okay, cool. Where were you from before moving to Miami? Uh, I was in Michigan and uh, I lived in Detroit, great city to learn from history. And before that, I was in Toronto. So I'm a Canadian citizen as well. Oh man, how about that? So here you are in Miami. Do you, are, you, are you used to the humidity yet or is it not a big deal? Honestly, kind of getting used to it, but still it is a little bit of annoying uh, thing because <laughs> you go and you take your dog out and you have to take him three times a day. And, and then three, so three times a day, you're just sweating for no reason, right? <laughs> so it's just part of just living here. At some point, I'm going to be like, oh, I'm going to have to now shower two times a day. <laughs> but All right. So talk about how you, how'd you get started in real estate on Esteban? Yeah, man. So my journey in real estate was really kind of like a common YouTuber, uh, YouTube fanatic that started just watching YouTube and got to got to know a little bit of Robert Kiyosaki, Grant Cardone, and all these guys that really, really talk real well about, about uh, real estate. And, and they, they promote their books, they promote their programs. And I started reading Robert Kiyosaki. And it started getting retargeted from a lot of ads that were seminars or or this big just summits um from bigger pockets and what and, year was, and this? I was this was about 2018 
or so. That's when okay. I, I started getting into like, oh, wow, real estate is something that is so cool. But not only that, I'm already in one of the biggest opportunity cities in the US, which is Detroit. You go to Detroit and there is opportunity to revitalize the neighborhood to actually take that city as a crappy looking place and convert it into a good looking place by just building real estate and taking the real estate that already exists and make it look good. Do the rehabs, uh, new construction, and taking those old vacant buildings and and then doing something about it. So it's very inspirational city to see what is possible by working on real estate. So that's how I started. Very interesting. Okay, then who would you say then taught you the most about real estate and how to do deals? And then you you do a lot of wholesaling, right? Well, I started by attempting a lot of wholesaling and I did only my wholesale deal was maybe about four, no, three years ago, my first wholesale deal. And I just hated so much the time that it took to close a deal and all the all the nuances in the back end, right? Like after after getting under contract and having to understand all this stuff, but not only that, having to get the deal. And and I was like, oh my God, like the cash conversion cycle of this type of uh, industry is, is long. Yeah. Like if if right now if we sell a product in our company, like our cash conversion cycle is a week or two. Like we get someone to agree or 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 less than that actually, and they just pay. And you get cash on hand, so you always have a recurring revenue. So I do mostly buy and holds. I do mostly, uh, I I get active into syndication. So for example, my last uh, syndication that I did was with Pace on a 408 unit apartment in Charlotte that that he did together. I partnered up with him and, um, you know, getting to do Airbnbs, uh, long-term rentals, that's something that I'm very into. And no, not not like the wholesale side where you have to really work on on the back end, and you know it's it's a lot of groundwork. I prefer doing the agency side. <laughs> okay, so we'll we'll talk about the agency side in a minute because that's really important. How to get online leads and how to get a Latino VAs. So you were you've been doing houses for a few years. You what what's your main source of income now? Is it syndicating bigger deals or doing single family still? Uh, so my biggest source of income right now is actually making other wholesalers and investors a lot of money through marketing. Ended up being that uh, my skill set grew really, really, really fast into learning how to market, really learning how to sell and create systems around digital marketing. So we help our clients make a lot of money. That's how we make our money, right? Like we have a consistent uh, MRR, monthly revenue coming in through our marketing agency. And then we also have the VA company. Now the the real estate side, we take it more passively. We want to be able to get into the long-term rentals, which brings us a, a good, you know, a good equity per year, but at the same time, it it, it builds up that portfolio that we want to have. Yeah. And if an Airbnb comes in and it brings us a thousand of fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars a a month on profit. That is also very well welcomed. But so far, the recurring it comes from the agency. Okay, this this big uh, apartment building you partnered with Pace on. Where did that come from? Where did you find that deal? Actually, uh, that was Vina. Vina who found it. Uh, she has a lot of relationships, and she teaches about 
how to really raise capital, like very big capital and have this. So who's uh, Vina? Vina is a Pace partner. Um, she was part of uh, Clever Investor as speaker lineup. And that's how I met her. And uh, she pitched on how to raise capital, how to properly raise capital in a very high level. And then I was like, wow, this woman is so interesting. And ended up partnering up with Pace Morby. And then Pace Morby was like, hey, we're going to meet up. Everyone is sub to community, potential people that want to get into this 480 unit. I'm going to, I'm going to like show it. And if you're interested, you can come in and I'm going to give you guys the opportunity to do it. Obviously, it's, uh, I didn't put it together. Vina put it together and Pace team ended up putting it together and working on all the operations of it was Vina. But I came in as a accredited investor and I was able to get not only get the return of it, but also get involved with that community. Like Pace okay, cool. took me and be like, okay, you're going to be now knowing my other partners. Let's see how it works. <clears throat> he walked us through the property. It was a really cool thing that actually will be coming to the YouTube channel. Yeah, that's super cool. Looking forward to learn, hearing more about that. All right. So um, done some deals, done some commercial deals and um, syndications. Why, why the agencies? And, and I can kind of relate to this because there was a period of time when I was doing a lot of marketing. I wanted to do more deals and I didn't want to build the big wholesaling team. I didn't want to hire acquisition managers and disposition managers and do all that's involved with going into virtual market. So I thought, why not find other investors and wholesalers who are already doing deals? And I can just turn my, at the time it was direct mail. I can just turn this off and on in any market across the U.S. and bring in a ton of leads. I have the VAs that can pre-screen the leads. And so I started doing this for other wholesalers around the country. At one time, well, at any one time, we were doing deals with about five different wholesalers around the country. And um, this is when I was really traveling and stuff like that. And I, I get the appeal of doing the marketing because you like it and you're good at it. But I got burnt out on it. I got tired of working for other people as doing an agency because we would have people that say, hey, you know what? I'm going to be on vacation next week. Um, will you stop my marketing so I don't get any leads? Well, and they would tell us like the day they're leaving or the next day. And so we didn't have time and it was just a hassle and, or they would make all these little changes. Um, how do you... So here's my question. I'm not complaining. I'm sorry. <laughs> my question is, how do you handle that? How do you... Why did you get into the agency business? Which I think is awesome. I'm glad there's guys like you because I get a lot of leads. My students get a lot of leads from guys like you. Um, but it's not for everybody, is it? No. And here's the thing. I come from a very service-based family and culture. Ultimately, us Colum Colombians, Latinos, we're very service-based. We like to serve, right? Really? Okay. And if you go there, if you go to Medellin, if you go to Colombia, anywhere in Colombia, uh, you will feel like you're at home because even though people don't know you, they never met you, they'll try to do favors to you without any expectation back. And that's how most Latinos also operate. So when you go there, people do a favor, favor to you. If you ask them for direction, they'll go above and beyond and not only ask, give you the direction to go to the place that you want to, but probably also walk you there. Maybe also give you some money. Maybe uh, just connect you with the right person or give you like a map, an entire map so you don't get lost. Give you tips on, on what not to do and what to do. So th there is a very service-based, oriented personality that you have to have in order to really enjoy the agency side. Uh, but the, of course, you can get burned because 
having clients and having shitty clients sucks. I know <laughs> one, I know one uh, agency that is in, in, th in theory, it, it was a competitor of mine, but got burned to the ground. And uh, I don't want to uh, name it publicly, publicly here, but ended up getting so many people signed up, but were low quality individuals where they were in the, in the, they were going in the rabbit hole of lowering their prices instead of getting the product more valuable. Yeah. So they, they lowered the prices. A lot of people that were newbies and didn't understand marketing or business signed up to this. And then down the line, as things evolved, more stacked up clients and they couldn't really like put the attention to all these stacked up clients and to the clients that actually should be paying attention, then this, the chargebacks started coming in, refund requests and like maybe issues with Facebook because Facebook is a very stupid platform to work with. And then the company went down, the company burned down and they had to restart their model. So if you're going into the agency side, there is three models that you could potentially follow. One is the done for you model, which is very operational, high expenses, high operations, let's call it. 40% of margins to be healthy, 30% of margins to be healthy on a, on a something like that. And you have to have the fulfillment. You have to have the customer success, customer management. You have to have the great operations in order to fulfill your clients' results and give them the need. But you also have to be able to have an accountability system because people, people are, you're going to do something for them, but also they have to put their time and effort in their part. So in, in our case, we do marketing, we do great lead generation, great lead quality conversion, but they also have to be putting their part with lead management, with lead, with uh, sales process, with being able to talk with the sellers and, and giving them a solution to whatever it is that the seller needs. And if, you're, if they're not willing to follow our process, our system, we get hurt because there is high churn, so they don't last for too long. They... They have a very unpatient mindset that, oh, three months and I'm not getting anything or two months, I'm not getting anything. I'm out when this is a long-term mindset. So you have, to, you have to have a lot of these things in place. And so that's number one, done for you. This, the second one is done with you. Where an agency that is done with you, you kind of give them a little bit, you just set them up in a little bit. And then you would also give them coaching and guidance and training along with with whatever it is that you have to set up in the very beginning with a great onboarding, and it's less operational. Like you can have less people running that company, but you have to rely more on the being a coach, being a trainer, being a, like, how do I guide my people to success instead of sure. doing it for them? Yeah. And the third one is just to do it yourself, like a course creator or something like that. Uh, that's another model. It's a highly profitable, but at the same time, like you don't have control of their success because it's all, it's all to them. Sure. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, at the end, that the agency model is uh, you. You have to choose which model you want to go to because each one is profitable. Um, you can go to the done for you, done with you, or the, the do it yourself. And each one has its own thing that you have to. You have to be really good at. One is highly operational. The other one, you have to be able to to combine operations with with coaching and, and good training. And the other one is just like, you just have to be, be able to create a great product and like hope yeah. that people can stick to the product and do something about it. 
So which one do you prefer? Where do you where do you lie in that? Um, so we'd really like the done for you uh, right now, obviously, because I have control of the success, more control of the success of my clients because I'm doing something real great. And I also understand really good the bottlenecks, challenges, and any holes that they have in their own business. So I'm very passionate about business. I'm able to solve these issues, such as me creating remotelatinos.com which is the issue of not having the right people or the, the right leverage of, of tasks or, or, or just people and time so that they can grow. Because we were sending so many good leads and people were getting suffocated with so many leads, appointments, lab transfers, and not kind of like not being able to follow up, manage the pipeline properly. They get too busy. They're, they're in the CEO mindset. They also have shiny object syndrome. They don't know how to follow, follow up. So like they're, they needed solutions. So I came up with, the first solution that I came up with in my agency was giving them an automation and a platform so that they can follow up and manage the leads, right? We have Facebook ads and PPC leads coming in. The first solution that we give was a CRM platform and automation so that leads are followed up, at least with automation, with this light touch of human AI, okay? The second solution that I gave was the training in sales. So I brought in a trainer. I'm paying him every month. And he goes every Wednesday or whatever it is agreed on every week. And he trains our clients on sales and conversion, deal structuring, negotiation, things like that. Because I noticed that people were talking really bad at talking to sellers. You would go at your, our client success managers or me would go into this and listen to their phone calls in the CRM. And they just, they were just so bad. And that was like a case study that, with the um, with the three partners in Michigan that taught is that you have to make sure that people are aligned with the mindset of that this is a marketing and sales organization. So we brought in this mindset into the client into the clients. They get onboarded with this mindset. So if they think that they know how to close, well, think about it twice because you probably haven't. You haven't uh, dealt with any PPC lead or you haven't dealt with any Facebook ad lead. And they're different. Even though they're coming in a little bit more with an intent, they're different. You have to still do your sales game. So we're we're training them. We're giving them great lessons, structured training, are recorded, a membership site, and being able to just level them up. Our trainer right now is having even so many good reviews and messages are being sent to him telling him, hey, for you, because of you, I got my fear of sales. I got my fear of sales out and I'm able to close my first contracts, right? And because of Hustle Media of providing this value, I'm not only getting leads, but I'm also getting my sales, right? I'm getting my closings. So that's the the second thing. The third thing, and this is still in progress, but we're doing it really well, is with remotelatinos.com. And, and that is having a, a way for our clients to know that the next step of after you getting so many leads and you're still being in production, remove yourself from the production roles, from the operational roles by employing people. You only leverage, you can leverage people, you can leverage people to, to, to do tasks for you and to take your, ta- your time that you really needed to do higher level things. So that's what we're doing. Uh, and there's different holes that we can do. So that's why I prefer done for you. 
I know it was yeah, a that's long very answer. Cool. But, no, that's yeah. really enlightening because a lot of people out there are thinking about the same thing. You're, we all have different skill sets. Some of you guys are really good listening to this podcast, are good at sales. Some of you are better at marketing. Some of you are good at neither sales nor marketing. You're just good at the administrative level and making sure everything running smoothly. You love creating SOPs or operating manuals, right? So we all fall in these different places. And it's important to know what you're good at and what you're not good at. One of the things I remember, I think this was in 2012. Wow, 10 years ago. I was doing a bunch of deals on my own. And I was like, man, this is great. I want to do more. But so then I started hiring a team and I started building a team. I got an office, I had acquisition guys, I had assistants, secretary, not secretaries, you don't call them that anymore. Uh, But I had people working for me, right? And I found that even though I was doing more deals, I was still netting the same at the end of the day. I couldn't understand it. I started looking at like, I'm doing more deals, making more money. But at the end of the day, my net, 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 net is still the same. So I started thinking about, I'd like to travel. And I started thinking about who is actually doing a lot of deals right now? And I started calling them, started working it backwards. And I heard one guy say, you should write a list of everything you have to do in a, in a business or in a real estate transaction and ask yourself a simple question. How can I do none of this? And I started doing that, asking bigger, better questions. How can I do none of this stuff? And then I found out, all right, well, I could have my assistant do this marketing. I could have my VAs do this. I could take these pre-screened leads, give them to another investor to work with. And it really actually started working out well for me. Started outsourcing everything I could to somebody else. And we started averaging at the time six, seven, eight deals a month. And I was doing literally nothing because I was building the team around me and behind me that was doing all this work. So it's it's this is why it's important to think about these things, you know. What are you good at? I knew I was good at marketing and generating leads. So getting those people in place to help with that is really important. Say hi to everybody. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Those of you listening to the audio, Esteban is, I don't know, what do you call him? Uh, doing a uh, Instagram story. <laughs> All right. So talk about Latino VAs. Why Latino VAs, not Filipino VAs? Why, what have you found to be some of the benefits or the advantages to working with virtual assistants from South America? To me, it's very clear. And also, I'm a little bit biased. I'm Latino, right? Uh, However, I love my Filipino machines. Like, I have a few Filipinos. They're incredible. But there is one thing that I was always trying to find of my team. Uh, You always try to find a few different things. Obviously, when you outsource or when you have a virtual assistant, when you have a team member, you want to have your time back. You want to have your your tasks uh, taken care of, right? So you want to leverage them for that. And you also want to have great costs. But at the same time, you also want them to be a great culture fit. And you also want them to, to really work in the same alignment as you in your company. So you want to, you, you paint this North Star, you paint these core values, this mission, and they have to be able to be aligned in many ways. Uh, and I, I was thinking like, okay, how can I also have someone that is me passionate about helping others to work in my company? And, and then I started realizing as well that so many clients, so many people are also calling homeowners that are speaking Spanish and they need help 
or they live in bilingual states, such as Texas, Arizona, Nevada. There's many bilingual people in New York, New Jersey, in Florida, right? You have California. There's many states in the U.S. where being bilingual is just a plus. It's an opportunity to have the knowledge about other cultures from Mexico, Central America, and South America. So a Latino VA, a remote Latina, Latino, allows us to have a very similar cultural fit that we have here in the U.S., in the U.S., we are very used to having a, the Mexican, the Colombian, the Venezuelan having their stores here, and we are very used to their accents. Also, we are very used to what they, what they eat, what they like, but they are also very used to us. You have no idea how many people in Venezuela come to the U.S., and they just come here, like whenever Venezuela was one of the best countries economically in South America, they just come to the U.S. to do some shopping. It was power economy uh, economy in, in, in back in the time. And so many people understand the U.S. Hollywood uh, and the U.S. Uh, culture, uh, the precedents, the, the history of the U.S., and they're so close. Imagine that a trip to go from Miami to Colombia, it's only three hours. It's about $150, $200 round trip. Wow. It's super, amazing. super close. People don't know this pretty well. Mm-hmm. And Mexico is right there, uh, right next to the US, right? Yeah. And, and, and so these people have really adopted all our culture. They understand the gringos, right? They understand what is really to live in the US and what Americans are expecting. And a lot of U.S. companies have companies in there, like Amazon is there, Virgin Mobile is there, Uber is there, hiring at mass scale these Latinos. For ex- I'm just going to give you an example. Like There is a huge, huge uh, office of Amazon, Uber, and, and all these other tech companies moving into Colombia, into Bogota, because they see the opportunity of lower cost, highly intelligent people, smart people that they have bachelor's degree, that they have some sort of high-level education, they either went and lived in the US, Canada, Australia, somewhere in, the, in England, and then came back to, this country, to their country because they wanted a high-level education, paid all this money, made all this sacrifice, put the effort on learning the language because it's not first language on English. And ultimately, now they're living back in, in their country trying to get a better race because they know English. Like knowing English in Colombia makes you uh, a better opportunity for any other company, right? So these people are going out of their way to, to be there. And not only that, they share same time zones, right? Yeah. So you're not going to have it's it's very easy to have your Filipinos that are, even though they're machines to have their clock really like messed up and be like ah oh, I'm sorry I was late I took a nap and I took it you know it it took me longer because obviously it's like 2 a.m. 3 a.m. while you're here cranking right yeah. and and obviously like the the natural clock is not it's not going to be the same but someone in Colombia, someone in Mexico, someone in Argentina will have the same clock as you, will work the same hours as you, right? And I can go on off and off in like many different benefits of having a, a remote Latino, but think about this. Work ethic and hard work culture. These people, as you know, you're very well known that when Mexicans come to U.S., when Colombians come to the U.S., 
the very first things that they actually want to want to go and do is either construction or cleaning companies because it's the the lower barrier of entry if they don't have like high level education. So they're already getting the first option to work hard and right like they, they work hard because they they know they have to hustle yeah. in our countries they they they're so used to working every single week even saturdays so they work 60 hour weeks it's very very easy so there is that hard working mentality and culture already and we can share if you choose the right individual and filter to the right individual with with the right skill sets, it's the same skill sets as here in the U.S., but it's just lower cost for this company. And you can also give them the opportunity to earn more money than, uh, than for example, them working in a local company down there. And you give them the opportunity to also work remotely, right? So it's a win-win for them. Like It's an English-speaking job where they're learning consistent English. They're always in the team. Like right now, we sign in with Slack, do our Zoom calls, and everyone is, is speaking English. English, that's it. So it's remotely, you, we pay them better. We can incentivize them with great bonus structures. And they, they can now start living like kings while, while you attract great talent, right? Kings and, queen, and queens. And, they, and then you attract great talent because you offered them higher salary than the regular and and you're still still saving for your startup. You're still saving a lot of money, and that money you can take yeah. into marketing. You can take it into like trips with your people, yeah. uh, into into getting masterminds, things like that. And another thing that I want to say is that Latinos. Uh, I don't know if this is true or not, but I do believe it. Uh, they're ranked the happiest people on earth, and, and I, I want to say like they, they're ranked the happiest people on earth because they are. They're born into this culture where they are they they're able to really enjoy the little things in life because they don't they're born with like with very little right they're born with either lower level of let's say uh, lifestyle or not too much they have to go up their way because they are there is actual poor poor people down there and for example I came from a poor family my parents were poor when they were uh, young and then they graduated my dad started working for Coca-Cola uh, my mom started working for uh, P&G and big companies and and then they 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 leveled up they 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 upgraded their lifestyle and so we come with this uh, humility of like enjoying the very small things in life, right? So you're gonna you're gonna be talking with people that are happy, uh, or they're they're very happy, like genuinely happy, and want to yeah. over deliver on your company. They want to really they care about your company as if it was their company. And this is something from experience. Trust that's me, really good. that's that's exactly how I thought about whenever I came into the company into Canada or or US. I care the same way as my boss or as the owner of this company. That's really good. Good, good. All right. So we got a few more minutes here. I want to ask you, Esteban, what are some what are some of the best high-level activities that you could have a Latino VA do for you in your real estate business? Yeah. So a lot of people actually come in and we work with wholesalers, investors, and the badass agents that want either a lead manager. So they want someone that ultimately can handle their lead management, their follow-up their CRM and data management, right? So a lot of people will think like, oh my God, like 
I'm going to be having these people to speak with my homeowners. Like, what is this going to, like, what is this going to be meaning for me? Well, the thing is that the, even though they might have a slight accent or they might have a really great fluent English, they have the ability of doing sales. They have, and, and lead management is the, is the lower, is the lower level or the first level of sales. Because a lead manager is essentially someone that sets appointments. It's, it's basically a sales, uh, a sales direct representative of your company because they're the first person that they talk to a homeowner. We can also have these people do executive assistant jobs, right? So people that are very organized, detail-oriented, take your workload out and, and just ultimately help you just stay on top of your agenda as, and potentially uh, help you interview others and do executive assistant tasks. Uh, we also have people coming and asking for, uh, yes, cold callers and everything, even though we don't do it for them because otherwise we'll be an outbound agency. They hire cold callers. They ultimately also hire transactional coordinators, people that have the ability to do the entire transaction part or support on disposition. And the beautiful thing about this is that these people come in with so, such a great experience working in the U.S. with English-speaking abilities that you can train them to be a acquisition manager. So uh, this, this is a process that, that we are figuring out right now with like sales, sales coaches. But if you have a process where people understand and they, they know sales, they have the intuition uh, of sales, they, they know how to talk to people, they're, 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 they're able to have these interpersonal skills and they, they know they know sarcasm, they know how to joke around, they know how to connect with people, they know how to build rapport, you can teach them sales. So now you're teaching a VA to be a closer. And, and now it, it just turns out to be an acquisition manager. It just so happens that they live in, in, uh, in uh, South America or Central America or Mexico. And we had several examples of like now, now clients and, and friends that are using VAs to close deals, which to me, it, it's really incredible. It's something that I would never have really thought before because sometimes you will just be like, okay, these people will just do follow-ups, reactivate my leads, just do a list building and, and you know, manage my pipeline and custom, maybe, maybe some support technically and maybe build a website here and there, but never really being able to do a transaction activity, right? Like a revenue gen generating activity, such as closing the deal. And, and, and this is the opportunity that people are probably missing out on working with, honestly, any VA, but with remote Latinos. Yeah, that's really, really good. I, um, yeah, that's excellent. I remember I had a friend in, I was just thinking about this, in Salt Lake City, Utah, who, this is probably 13 years ago, was one of the first guys that I knew of that was hiring Latino VAs to help him with his real estate business. And he said the same exact thing. Um, people oftentimes limit the VAs and what they think they can do. And they can do much, much more if you find a good one and if you train them, put the resources into them. Super cool. All right, Esteban, how can people reach you? Yeah, man. Uh, so if you're willing to learn more, whether about Hessel Media, digital marketing, Facebook ads, PPC, you can go to Instagram and add me at Estenic, so E-S-T-E-N-I-C-K. I put a lot of content out there. Uh, I also have a website, hesselmedia.com, so H-E-S-E-L media.com. You can book an appointment with us, um, or you can just like 
go in the chat bot and you know talk to us in there. For remote Latinos, it's exactly just how it sounds. RemoteLatinos.com. I couldn't have asked for a better domain. <laughs> yeah. And ultimately, you can also find us in Instagram. Uh, me and my partner take care of you. Like whether you guys like if you if you guys need some education on how to properly like interview a VA, onboard a VA, retain your VA, we're always willing to help on that type of things. Uh, actually, Joe, like if you're looking to do that as well for your community, I'd be happy to jump in with my uh, partner and help you know, how to properly, people have to hire and, and behave like great CEOs, great leaders for their VAs. Teach them that one of our missions is that VAs, the, the word VA, at some point, it can get, like you said, it, it, it is wrong to think that a VA cannot do so many like high-level things. Because I have workers in Colombia that do high-level things. They, they manage projects. They are innov- innovative. They, they handle client success. They, they are able to do very engineering stuff, right? Like, think about it. Like, yeah. in Detroit, it's uh, it's an, uh, they, they they manage the the all this automotive industry and they have to they have to heavily rely on Mexico on building vehicles and and on manufacturing parts and Mexico's Mexicans are very very smart they're very very high high you know highly productive they're they're studios they they're scholars and so we are we're basically missing out on the opportunity on getting a professional to work on your company remotely for a lower cost for you. Excellent. All right. So hasselmedia.com is your main website. Hasselmedia.com. And what was your um, Instagram? Um, so it's at estenick. So E-S-T-E-N-I-C-K. Cool. All right. Hey, I want to ask you a quick question here. We're going to wrap this podcast up though, so don't go anywhere, Esteban. I appreciate you very much, guys. Thank you and uh, take care. We'll see you. Oh,